Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer Cahill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends. I am Jennifer Cahill, and it is my pleasure, my honor, and my delight to bring to you one of my favorite thought leaders and friends joining us today from Santa Cruz, California, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Many of you may be familiar with his work from his pioneering work in epigenetics, writing the best-selling book, The Biology of Belief, not to mention The Honeymoon Effect, and in general, just being an all-around incredible human being who has been an expert in biology, in cells, and was one of the very first people to begin to understand that our genes do not control our cells. So Bruce, what a pleasure to have you here, my friend. You and Deepak and I got to do an interview a couple of years ago, and it's so great to get to have you one-on-one by myself today. <laughs> Selfish. I am so excited to be with you. And I've watched you go around and interview and bring in conversation from people around the world and try to awaken people at a time when the world looks like it's total chaos. It's not only looks like it, it actually is in total chaos. But the whole point that we really would like to get across is a lot of people are afraid because it all looks like it's all falling apart. And the truthful, the part that's really funny is, no, that's the best thing that can happen. And it's, what? And I thought, let me give you a simple reason, just mathematically, simple reason why we're in trouble. And it's civilization today requires, now listen, civilization, planetary civilization, to sustain itself, just like it is today. You want to keep it the way it is today, one 0.6 planet Earth. And I go, that's a fact of science. No. Extra 0.6. We don't have enough resources. The planet cannot continue to support it. It doesn't have these resources anymore. And we're destroying the environment in the process of making ourselves happy. And the idea about it is you can't live on a planet where you require 1.6 planets when you only have one planet. And all of a sudden it says, that's mathematics now, folks. We can't continue living this way. You can't continue doing what we're doing because we don't have an extra six planet Earth. So it says, what do you need to do? And the answer is stop living the way we are living. That's the first thing <laughs> like that. And start to create a more harmonious, balanced way where humans and the environment and the planet live in harmony rather than us. Look, the indigenous people's planet always knew that this was a garden. And it, we came from this garden. But in our biblical text, it's, oh no, nature was made and humans are separate because we were added to nature. That was the vision that humans have some kind of dominion over nature where we can control. And I said, how are we doing with that control? And the answer is from a scientific understanding, we are precipitating what is called the sixth mass extinction of life. People don't recognize, they think of the Darwinian evolution is that we started with something very small and then over a million years we came out of something like that. And it's go, no, it, there's a new theory. Life starts, then some event can stop it, wipe out up to 90% of life, and then it starts over again. Five times, that's how many times it's already happened. I'll give you the last one was simple. 600 million years ago, this whole planet was beautifully lush forest and all kinds of things. And they had something called dinosaurs. 
I said, what happened to this lush environment with dinosaurs? I say, a comet, a giant comet hit mm -hmm. near the Yucatan Peninsula near Me in Mexico area. And I said, what did it do? It was so big an explosion when that comet hit the Earth that it, it sent shockwaves through the planet. And over 75% of life disappeared. All of the dinosaurs disappeared. That's why they're not here anymore. I say, what happened? It's called a mass extinction. And then it started all over again, evolution. And now here we are, and I'm going, so what? And I say, the human behavior, you see, the previous five mass extinctions, like the comet, or there were tectonic plate movements, or massive volcanic and earthquake activity, these are things naturally that led to the previous five extinctions. What's totally different is as we're entering the sixth mass extinction, it turns out it's human behavior. We are causing our own extinction because somehow separating ourselves from the garden, giving us the idea we have dominion over the garden. I said, how's that working out? I said, we're destroying the environment at a rate that exceeds the ability of the environment to recover. And the result is NASA scientists, okay, the rocket scientists here in the U.S., have come to a very important conclusion, and I'll, I want to emphasize it because they say within the next two decades, we are facing, and here's the emphasis, an irreversible collapse of civilization. I want to emphasize the word irreversible because there's some kind of vision, oh, we'll just make it great again. Make it great again? Are you kidding me? That was where the problem's coming from. We can't go backwards. That, was, that should be our learning. <laughs> Learn what you did wrong because we can't carry it into the future. And this is why there's so much chaos. There were things that, that civilization covered up because they, it just didn't work right, and we don't want to talk about it. So I said, well, Black Lives Matter. Oh, what about them? Oh, no, that was a separate, we don't like them. And I go, what's that all about? Or the Me Too generation, where women are finally getting to recognize, wait, we're not just victims in this place and stuff like that. We're equal co-creators in this particular world. I say, this is why things that have been suppressed, like women's rights, racial problems, religious upheaval problems, economic problems, I say, you can't survive. These are illnesses, in a sense, okay? And that to survive, this is why they're coming up, because if we can see where the illness is, then we can change the future where we don't carry these problems into the future. And this is especially true now we're recognizing things like what? We polluted all the farmland, bless you, darling. We just polluted it with all the fertilizers and the chemicals and all that stuff. We're polluting the air with all the pollution from all the burnings of fuels and things that we're doing wrong. We're depleting the Earth's resources, destroying the sea. <laughs> and all these changes are going on. And I go, all these changes collectively are expressing that we cannot do this anymore. And so we're in a period of wake up. You see what's going on here? It doesn't work. And, but it, you know what? But people don't know. And so what are they looking at? Oh, it's falling apart. And I go, to them, they have fear because their whole life has been built on the structure that exists. If the structure starts to collapse, then they holding onto it are going, oh, no. And I say, but you don't understand. <clears throat> That structure is what's killing us, <laughs> and that we have to rewrite this program. 
And the problem is that when people are holding on, they're holding out of fear that what's going to happen. And I'll tell you what the answer is. There's two choices of what's happening right today. One, we just let it collapse and we all go downhill and the game's over. Or two, we start creating a better version of civilization. And Jennifer, this has been on your list of how to help the world for years now. And it's really important because this is the time to help people, give them knowledge. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? I say knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. And I say, wait, let me say the same thing again. A lack of knowledge is a lack of power. Okay, Mm -hmm. now one more. A misperception, a belief that is wrong, is called a lack of power. And we have been living under misperceptions that are not true, but making them true. And it's causing us our vitality. It's causing the planet under our leadership to start to collapse here. For example, a lot of people believe, oh, illness is due to genes not working right. And there's a health crisis over the whole planet. Guess what? I love this. Less than 1%, less than 1% of disease is connected to genes. I go, wait a minute, if genes aren't causing this problem in healthcare, what is? And the answer is over 90% of illness is due to stress. I go, yeah, there's a lot more stress going on. Why? Because day to day, the collapse of the system is occurring. And if people don't understand why the collapse is occurring, then they're living in total stress. And the more stress they're living in, the sicker they get. And people have been blaming genes forever. Oh, Cancer is caused by a gene. Sorry, folks. From a biological, biomedical point of view, there is not one gene that causes cancer. There's no gene. You have that gene, you automatically get cancer. Now, women have been living in fear because of the breast cancer gene. And so they get real anxious and nervous, and then all of a sudden they go get a test. I have the breast cancer gene. I said, what is the thinking of that person? And the thinking of that person is, oh, no, I'm going to get cancer. I have the breast cancer gene. Angelina Jolie, the young actress, as she was beautiful and everything, had a double mastectomy because her mother died of breast cancer, her grandmother died of breast cancer. And then she just figured, I think her father's a doctor and helped her with the idea that said, if you have a double mastectomy, you have no breast, you can't get breast cancer. So she did a double mastectomy as a young woman with young kids. And let me give a simple fact. Does having the BRCA gene mean you get breast cancer? And I go, no, 50%, 50% of the women that carry the gene never get breast cancer. So let's get right to the conclusion. Does possession of the breast cancer gene cause breast cancer? And the answer is, nope. I said, then what causes it? A life out of harmony, life of, of psychological problems and stressors and things like that. That's what <clears throat> will activate a gene that will cause cancer. The gene does not activate itself. Biggest mistake, again, misperception. Genes turn on and genes turn off and control you. Well, that makes you a victim. Why? As far as you didn't pick the genes, can't change the genes, and then they turn on and off without you being involved. Then you become a victim of your heredity. Let's emphasize, big misperception. I go, what? Genes are blueprints to make the proteins, which are the building blocks of the body. They're blueprints just 
in the same way an architect has a blueprint. I go, so why? I say, go into an architect's office and she's working on a blueprint. You ask her, you say, hey, is your blueprint on or off? And she would look at you like, what are you crazy? It's a blueprint. This is on and off. I go, aha, the blueprint doesn't turn itself on. It's the architect that reads the blueprint. I go, architect? And now we know in biology, the mind is the architect that controls the genes. You change your mind and you change your genetic activity. And I go, what's so important? This is a new science called epigenetics. Epi means above. So epigenetics means above the genes. Okay? What's the point about it? It basically says your belief that you're a victim of your heredity, 100% wrong. 100% wrong. Less than 1% of disease is even connected to the genes. Okay? It's the consciousness. I goes, why is that important? The old belief, you're a victim. Why? You didn't pick them. You can't change those genes. They turn on off. The new belief, epigenetics, is change your perception and you change your genes. And all of a sudden, say, wait, then I'm controlling my genes? I go, yes. But it's based on your belief issues. And therefore, if you have a negative belief, then anticipate your health is not going to be very good because negative belief is not going to engage the healthy part of your genes. Okay? So basically, it says, Knowledge is power? Yes. Lack of knowledge, lack of power? Yes. You didn't know. You thought you were a victim. What if you really knew you were the master? Then all of a sudden, we wouldn't be dealing with a health crisis on this planet, okay? We also uh, have been programmed to believe that there's an invisible world of energy and a visible world of matter. That's just a Newtonian belief. There's a material world and the energy world, and they don't talk to each other. I go, that's 100% wrong, folks. Why? Because the new physics, the most valid science on planet Earth is quantum physics. And I go, what significance is And they say, there's not an energy in a material realm. Everything is energy. What you think is matter is a strange form of energy. And I go, so why is that relevant? Because energy affects energy. And it turns out the mind's energy affects the energy that the body is. And all of a sudden, you start to understand something else. Positive thinking and negative thinking. Nobody talks about negative thinking. We always talk about positive thinking. And then most people go, that doesn't work. I go, oh, yes, it does. What do you mean? I go, you ever hear the placebo effect? The placebo? The doctor says, here's the greatest new medicine. This medicine is going to heal your chronic issue. And the person takes that medicine, and they get better. And they go, oh, yeah, the medicine healed me. Then you find out it was a sugar pill placebo. I say, well, then stop for a second. And then I say, then what healed you? It was not sugar. What healed you was your positive thinking that this is what's going to heal me. It's the positive thinking that healed you, not the pill. So everybody goes, oh, yeah, placebo effect. And then I say, but nobody discusses what? Negative thinking. I go, oh, Big problem. You know why? It's equally powerful in controlling your life as is positive thinking. So what we call placebo effect, healing is the result of the belief in healing. There's an opposite called nocebo effect, which says a negative belief doesn't heal you, but can actually cause any disease. You can die just because you believe you're going to die. And all of a sudden it says, Negative thinking? Nobody talks about that. I go, you should talk about it because 60% of your thoughts are actually negative. 
And we never even talk about it and say, yeah, but those negative thoughts are not just passing through. They're adjusting your biology and your health the same as a positive placebo thought enhances it. The negative thoughts take it away. I'm on a run right there, Jennifer. Maybe you should stop and ask me a question or something. It's so good, Bruce. I could just listen to you talk for hours. That's why it was such a pleasure getting to watch you and Greg share your magic secret sauce in Paris last year and getting to hang out. So what's on my mind, Bruce, is I like to tap into the energy of our audience and what people are thinking and feeling in this moment. And I hear alarm bells. It's like that old cartoon thing where it's like, whoa, like everybody's, oh God, Bruce Lipton just said that my negative beliefs can cause death or illness. So the question- uh, But your positive beliefs can heal anything. So yes. like, that's the issue. Where are you going? So here's the question on everybody's minds that I'm hearing and feeling. How do we begin to shift? Just the other day, Bruce, I was with friends and they said, I wake up every day and I'm afraid and I'm worried about the day. And this is something, and I know I've seen you do wonderful talks about this and refer to it in your books, about from the age of seven years old below, we're basically these sponges just absorbing everything in this super learning state. And yet as we become adults, We've now ingrained a lot of these limiting beliefs from our parents, from society, from our caretakers. And the question then becomes, how do we unravel what in some people's cases might be decades of limiting beliefs or negative thoughts and begin to take the reins of these Clydesdales that are our unconscious or subconscious thoughts and direct them to what we choose to think, i.e. positive thoughts, i.e. things that are for our highest and best good, rather than letting these Clydesdales of our consciousness run off a proverbial cliff with these negative thoughts that are ruling our lives. Let's first start with the knowledge that offers power. Okay. Say, when, when you buy a computer, in the old days, it didn't come with programs. It just, you bought the computer. And I say, you just say in those days, you bought a brand new computer, you brought it home, you push start, the screen lights up, we call it booted up. And I then say, now let's use a computer. And you go, I can't. I said, I've got a brand new computer. What do you mean can't use it? You say, no, first I have to put programs into the computer so I can access the mechanism of the computer. So then we download things like browsers or read, write or art programs, whatever. And then we use the computer. The human brain is a computer. It's actually the most fabulous computer that humans could ever experience beyond anything AI could ever think of, okay? And I go, so why is it significant? I say, it is a computer and it boots up in the last trimester of pregnancy, even before you're born, the screen lights up. And I say, yeah, but you cannot use that computer into your programs. And I go, oh, the first seven years of a child's life, the brain function is not at a higher level called conscious. It's at a lower level, which is called theta. Theta is imagination as a character. I go, yes, you notice that kids under seven can live in the real world and the imaginary world. The famous tea party, you pour nothing in the cup and you drink nothing and it was the best tea you ever had in your life. The broom that now is a horse, but it's not a broom anymore because I'm riding a horse right now. That's an example of theta. But what people need to know is this, theta is hypnosis. I go, why? And I'll give you a simple reason. Just answer this. How many things do we have to learn to become a functional member of a family and a functional member of a community. What are the rules? And they all of a sudden you start saying, what are thousands of rules? I go, yes, 
to live in harmony with the community. You can't do something community rejects. You got to do exactly what the community does. So I said, well, how do you get these rules? And I say, in the first seven years of a child's life, they observe the mother, father, and siblings. And their behavior is downloaded because theta is hypnosis. So whatever they observe, I watch my father, I download what fathers do. I watch my mother, I see what mothers do. And I say, so why this becomes important is that these become programs, okay? And so we're downloading behavior. I said, Where are you, who are you downloading it from? First, my mother and father, then my family, and then my community when I'm out in the world. I go, oh, okay. Now here's another question. Are they very happy and healthy people? Oh, maybe not. Oh, then I say, what's the problem? I say, you downloaded their behavior. And when you download their behavior, you're going to manifest that behavior. People think that something that runs in a family has always been genetic. But now we know, no, that seven-year download of programs is carried from one generation to the next generation to the next because your father was programmed by his father, who was programmed by his father and is passed down. And if you were a boy and generally watching your father's behavior, you downloaded his behavior. Well, I can give you a wonderful example of that. Why? My father had a very dysfunctional relationship with my mother, and I downloaded his behavior. And then it turns out, and we're going to get into a second, but this is the most important point, that 95% of our, 95, that's a big number now, 95% of our life is not coming from the conscious wishes and desires that you want. Conscious wishes and desires. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to have a great relationship. I want to be beautiful like Jennifer. These kind of issues like that. And I say, these are wishes and desires. I go, that's conscious mind. Programs are in the subconscious mind. Subconscious mind is like the hard drive in your computer. I say, so what? It turns out, while we think we are creating our life with our wishes and desires, conscious mind, science has revealed that's only 5% of the day. I go, what does that mean? I said, only 5% of the day are you manifesting behavior that will generate your desires, wishes, and aspirations, what you want. Only 5%. I said, then where's 95% of my day coming from? I said, oh, that's coming from the program. So then I said, then my life is not being run by me. It's being run by the programs. I go, yes, that's a true fact. And the significance is, where'd you get the programs? I say, not from you. You got them from other people. I say, do they have a problem? You downloaded it. You have the same problem. A simple point. And this is very critical for people because people's minds are so filled with the belief that cancer comes from genes. The fact is, there is not this true science right here. There is not one gene that causes cancer. Genes are correlated with cancer, but they themselves didn't cause the cancer. The cancer was caused by a life program that is out of harmony, where a life where a person's life is not running according to something that would give them health, but actually the other way, all the stressors and things like that. And so I say, okay, then wait a minute. If my conscious mind's creator, then why is my subconscious running the show? Now, ladies and gentlemen, the whole problem is this. The conscious mind is creative. Yes, that's the one wishes and desires. But the conscious mind can do two things. For a ma moment, imagine your body is a vehicle and there's a steering wheel. The conscious mind, when it has the steering wheel, is the creative mind. 
and will drive you toward wishes and desires and the things you want. And then the conscious mind can do something else. I go, what? What are you talking about? I say, thinking is not looking out. Thinking is looking in, okay? Jennifer, as we know, today is Tuesday, and I'll ask you a simple question. Can you tell me what you're doing on Thursday? Yes, Bruce, I actually could tell you what I'm doing because I can think about what I'm doing on Thursday. <laughs> but it's not written anywhere, is it? It's, can't, where'd you get the information from? Up here. Inside. So when you were thinking, were you looking out or were you looking in? A thought is looking in. So why is this important? The conscious mind can drive you to success and wherever you want to go. But if the conscious mind is thinking, then it's not looking out the windshield now. It's inside looking for some thoughts. And it goes, wait a minute. What if I'm driving my car and all of a sudden I start thinking? I said, well, then your conscious mind's not looking out the window. And you go, what? I said, I'm still okay. I'm driving. Everything's okay. I was thinking and I'm still driving. I go, this is the point. Yes, you were still driving. But the driver wasn't your conscious mind because your conscious mind wasn't even looking out the window. The driver is the program where you learned how to drive. The subconscious is driving you. So when the conscious mind is busy thinking, our life functions and behaviors are now controlled by the subconscious. I go, yeah, where, where'd that get? How'd they do it? I said, well, subconscious got the programs. It knows how to drive a car. <laughs> it knows how to walk. You don't have to tell it how to walk. It knows all, it's programmed, okay? The whole point is then, 95% of the day is the average amount a person is thinking. I say, no, wait, now do the math. My conscious mind, which can control my wishes and desires, is working only 5% in creating my world because the rest of the time the conscious mind is thinking. So I said, then when the conscious mind is thinking, guess what? The subconscious is called autopilot. It takes over. Jennifer and I could be in the car and having a great discussion, and I'm driving, and we do blah, 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 blah. And then I look out the window and realize, I haven't paid attention to the road for the last five minutes. I'm sure a lot of you have done that. And I go, Let me, why this is a lesson is very important. Because somebody can say, well, what did you and Jennifer talk about? And I said, oh, yeah, we talked about this and this. But then they asked me the question, while you were having the conversation, what was on the road? You weren't paying attention to the road. Conscious mind was over here in a conversation. So who drove the car? Subconscious. Yeah, but you didn't see it. You don't even know what the hell happened. You were just here. Wow, I'm still on the road. Hey, I didn't hit anything. This is great. And I go, do you understand that this is the most important, powerful point I can make? And that is simply this. 95% of the day, your conscious mind is involved with thinking, looking in, therefore it's not looking out. That automatically turns into the reality that your subconscious then is running the show for 95% of the day. Did those subconscious behaviors that were downloaded come from you? Came from my father, my mother, came from my community. So then the programs don't support who you are most of the time. I go, absolutely true. I say, where's the problem? The problem is for the person who is thinking they're always in control with their conscious mind. And it's not working out. I want to be successful. It's not working. Well, that person did this and that person did this. How do you justify the fact that you wanted to be successful and it didn't work? You justify it by saying somebody else created the problem. I go, do you not, you failed to understand this. It was your own 
behavior coming from the subconscious programming, which is 60% of it is negative and disempowering programs. 60% of the, your programs are taking you away from any success and you're playing them and you're the one that doesn't see them. So Jennifer, everybody's heard the story almost, maybe a few people haven't, but I have to emphasize it again. You have a friend, you know your friend's behavior very well, and you happen to know your friend's parent. Oh. And one day you, you see your friend has the same behavior as their parent. So you want to tell your friend, you go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. Back away from Bill. Because I know what Bill's going to say, and you already know it. Bill's going to say, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. And everybody laughs because they have experience. I say, that's the most profound story I can tell you. Why? Everybody else can see that Bill's behavior is like his dad. The only one who cannot see that is Bill. And the reason is simple. Because when he's thinking, he's not paying attention. So whatever behavior is coming out from his program, Bill's the only one that can't see it. Now, let's finish that little story with a final conclusion. We are all Bill. Mm. Every one of us is doing this unconsciously, creating behaviors where we don't even see what those behaviors are because they're coming out automatically while we're not paying attention. But everyone around us sees those behaviors. If they're good behaviors, great, because then everyone around you is, yeah, cool, that person's got great behavior. But if they're negative behaviors, and you're the only one that can't see it, and everybody's looking at you going, wow, okay, that's pretty crummy behavior. And all of a sudden, they're going to treat you that way. What's the issue? The issue is, we are creators, except... 95% of the day, you're using the creation from the program that you got in the first seven years. And I want to emphasize this because is this new idea? I go, no, it's only 400 years old. I go, what do you mean? The, excuse me. The idea is the Jesuits have told their followers for 400 years. They said, give me a child until it is seven, and I will show you the man. I go, what did, that, what did that mean after everybody heard it for 400 years? Nobody understood. I say, here's what it means, just what now science recognizes. First seven years is program, 95% of your life is then from the program. So they knew that. They said, give me the child for first seven. If I educate that child, that child, 95% of its life is going to come from that program. So they were the first ones to know that. Now, the simple interesting point is, yeah, they're not the only ones that know that now. <laughs> And that programming children is one of the most important things of controlling a population because you program them to live the life that you want. It's a program. Make them live that program. And therefore, if you control education below age seven, then you're controlling the fate of that child as mm -hmm. they get I just used a lecture yesterday. I showed a, a video clip of an infant with an iPad. And mm -hmm. the Learn to hit the screen to change the program, change the program, change the program. And it's like, the kid is being programmed on an iPad. I go, yeah, more insidious programming now than ever before. And I say, you want to hear some really bad programming? The news. I'm with you, Bruce. I actually made a deal with God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, about five years ago. I said, God, here's the plan. I am going to stop watching the news, stop reading the news, and I am going to trust with perfect certainty that any information that needs to reach me will come from a trusted source. And it has been such a place of ease and grace since I did that. 
Well, more so, you should. I'm glad you said that because that's the point. I've gotten off of it. Why? They're going to make me feel bad about something I can't do anything about? In other words, that going to mean I'll feel my psychology is going to be depressed. I'll be under stress. Oh, yeah, there's a war in the Ukraine. Bruce, what can you do about it? I go, you can tell me about it every night on the news, but nobody listens to me because I'll go out in the street and say right now, war is stupid, you people. Let's get rid of all this war. And then I go, who listened? Nobody? What did I gain from using my energy to conform and try to change something that's bigger than me? And the answer is, you don't have enough energy to change the world. That's basically what the point is. I go, well, then how is the world going to change? I say, stop being there. Use your energy to create the new one. I think it was Buckminster Fuller, the futurist, that said, don't try to stay in the system and fight to change it. Step outside the system and build a new system. And then people will come to you. And that is the, the lesson of the day. And it's the most valid whenever he said that. It's still right now, the lesson of the day. Don't use your energy to try to push this massive energy of the world the way it is today. Why? It'll eat you up. <laughs> you don't have enough energy to push that. But you do have enough energy to oh, let go. Let's go over here and make something new. And well, then you put your energy into creating a new system. And that's your job, Jennifer, has been so important. Your work is not a coincidence work. Oh, Jennifer just said something. I know Jennifer is giving you knowledge where knowledge is power so you can have the power. Because the powers to be have taken away your power and that's why we all perceive ourselves to be victims in a world outside of control when we ourselves are personal creators. I think that's such a beautiful point, Bruce, is to reconnect to the creator within all of us. I think if any of you listening out there watching this, whenever and wherever you might be connecting to this beautiful wisdom that Bruce is sharing, is to re-empower ourselves, to allow ourselves to realize that, yes, has it been going this way? It has. Does it mean that it's going to have to keep going this way? No, that's the power of free will. That's the power of choice. That is the power of waking up and realizing I have a say. I can choose to watch the news. I can choose what information comes into my system. A mutual friend of Bruce and mine, Maria Sagi, we were doing a class together. And I remember I was blown away, Bruce. She said there was something in one of the classes we were teaching where she said, if you watch a horror movie, your health actually like depletes in that moment. And so there's all this stuff, this information that we're feeding our systems. And the question is, how do we put on the glasses or the perception? That's one of my favorite things that you teach about, Bruce, is the power of perception and how we choose to use our perception dictates how healthy, how unhealthy, how prosperous, dependent we are on the world around us. And in fact, one of my favorite things I learned many years ago, I love Michael Beckwith from Agape, and there was a shaman named Ishmael Tete who was there speaking one day at Agape, and he said, listen, we all put on a pair of glasses every day, and yet you know what? We're unconscious that we're putting on victim-colored, fear-colored, sex-colored. You know what, Jennifer? I just want to bring this in. Yeah. In my earlier lectures, I had two sets of glasses, a red filter and mm -hmm. a green filter set. And I would ask the audience, I'm going to put on a picture and I want you to tell me if it's a picture of love or it's a picture of fear. 
And then, so the audience, I have them all mixed up. Some had red, some had green, everything. I say, yell it out. Which one is this? A picture of love or fear? And all of a sudden, you hear the entire audience, half of them going, love, and the other half at the same time saying fear. They're both looking at the same picture. Love, fear. They're looking at each other. What do you mean? Fear. That's a picture of love. And I asked them, switch the glasses. And all of a sudden, their perception switched. Because I made the colors on the slide show one picture with red glasses. Same slide. And the other, right in the same slide, if you put on the green glasses, you saw a different picture. Scary. And the other was a love picture. And the point about it was what? Just exactly what you said. We look at the world through these glasses. And if you put on, in my case, I always call them the Darwin glasses. That's the one where the world is scary and competition and fighting and all that. And then I say, put on the honeymoon glasses, which are the red ones. And all of a sudden, you look at the world. It's like it's a honeymoon. I go, life is amazing. It's like, it's everything is what we say it is, Bruce. It's like, that's the thing that I think that's the message that I want everybody to take away from whenever and wherever you're watching and listening to this, you have the power to choose the glasses and you have the power to choose how you interact with the world. And after Ishmael Tete had said that, probably much like your students, when you gave them those two sets of glasses, you now have the opportunity to choose. That is the greatest power we have as human beings. Do we choose seeing victimhood? Do we choose being part of the drama triangle, the hero, the victim, the perpetrator? Or do we choose to see the good in everything and everyone? I'll give you a quick story around this, Bruce. I was, shortly after I had heard Ishmael share this, I had made a choice to actively put on appreciation, gratitude colored glasses one day when I woke up. And everything that day, I was seeing through a lens of gratitude. Fast forward, I'm volunteering at this place by LAX. It was like a personal development class. And I parked in a spot that was across the street, not parking for where I was going, but I parked there and then I went and I did my volunteering and I came out, Bruce, and my car was gone. It was gone. I had no car, but there was the sign sitting right there that said, cars not at the cafe will be towed. And instead of being upset about it, because I was coming from a place of gratitude, I was like, oh, clearly I'm being taught a lesson in accountability. So yes, I immediately yes. went to that. Then I called them. They had towed my car to one block away. I could literally walk down the street. And it turned out that the amount it cost to get my car back was about the cost of one hour of me working at that point in my life. And so what could have been, oh, this is unfair. This happened to me. Life is unfair to, wow, what a wonderful lesson that I only had to pay $200 to learn accountability. <laughs> Well, now it's my turn for a story. Yes, please. A while back, you might have looked at me psychologically as a manic depressive. I love my life. Life is great. And then if it started to go wrong, then I started to go in a spiral downwards where the next thing went wrong and then the next thing went wrong. And then it was like down in a depression point, working in a lab, setting up an experiment. It takes two hours to set it up. And when I start the experiment, if I don't do it just right, the collapses. And I have to do it again, two hours, set it up, start. It was to stir this stuff, but you had to be very careful. If you started too fast, it ruined it. The third time it failed, and I spent, what, six hours that day just preparing for these experiments and throwing them away. At the end of that, now I'm mad. I'm mad at myself. 
I'm yelling at myself, you stupid idiot. You can't do any damn thing. And then I've got that bad shoulder guy sitting up here going, you can't do anything right. You're dumb and dumb. And everything was just getting worse and worse. And all of a sudden, I hear a voice. I'm the only one in the lab. I hear a voice like right there. And this is what the voice said. Don't you have anything better to do than to listen to this crap? And I said to myself, sure. I'd rather go to a movie than listen to this. I picked up a paper, drove to the movies, came out of the movie theater, no more depression. And what happened was the next time I started to go down and started to laugh, I say, I got a choice. I could stay here and listen to this stuff or I can go do something I want. It was a choice. After about three times, and this is true, I haven't been depressed in years. No more. Why? My brain has programmed that if I even start to go off on that track, it will automatically now say, go do something you like. And the result is that consciousness doesn't come into my life because the moment it comes in, my reprogramming said, take that message and recognize you let that thing go and go do something else. Because the more we get stressed with the message, we get deeper and deeper into distress. And and the point was, how easy was it to get out? That was the funny part. Don't you have anything else to listen? Don't you have anything else to do? And it was, sure, go do it. Because it will stop the dialogue between you and that programming that said not good enough, not deserving, not lovable, whatever the issues are. As you just said, it was a choice how you look at it. And if you take the choice of looking at it instead of saying, oh my God, I could bury myself in this misery or go do something else. And all of a sudden, guess what? You're not in misery anymore. And I thought, you don't have to take Xanax or Valiums or all those things. All you have to do is say, stop. I remember there was a show on television years ago, Bob Newhart played a psychologist. And every patient that came in started talking about it. Blah, 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 blah. And then he would just look at me and say, stop it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's so funny you say that, Bruce. One of my dear friends and Mark Golston, named Mark Golston, who's been on the show, is a famous psychiatrist and teacher as well. And he said the same thing when I was going through a rough patch. He said, Jen, I want you to think of my voice or somebody you respect. Every time that negative voice comes in, you just say, stop it and redirect. And it's so powerful. He probably got it from that show. The show was really funny because no matter what their problems were, it all came down to stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it, people. I think that should be the name of this show. Just stop it. Just stop it and redirect your thoughts and take the reins of our consciousness. That is what Bruce has been so eloquently sharing with us today. And Bruce, I could talk to you for hours that we're going to have to have you on another time to continue the conversation. Are we running out of time, dearest? We are running out of a little bit of time, my friend. So minutes can I talk? You talked like two minutes. Uh, you talked two okay. minutes. I talked the whole time. Okay. <laughs> two minds. Conscious mind is your spiritual connection to the universe. Subconscious mind is the programming that I talked about. You're living your life 95% from the program, which you got from other people, which 60% of those are just disempowering. Then I say, so what? And I say, there's a movie called The Matrix. And everyone says it's science fiction. I say, what's the premise? The premise is everybody's been programmed. I go, well, that's not science fiction. Everybody is programmed. And then they talked about a red pill where you get out of the program. And I want people to know, many of you have taken that red pill. You didn't even know it. I said, what was it? When you fell in love. You know, what does that mean? 
your life was blah, 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 blah. Then you meet a person and you fall in love and 24 hours later, oh, life is beautiful. I'm in a honeymoon. Everything is so beautiful. Life is heaven on earth. I go, how the heck did you go from blah, 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 your life, and in 24 hours, do you have a honeymoon heaven on life, heaven on earth experience? And the answer is this. Falling in love is the equivalent of the red pill. Mm -hmm. Stops the programming because you stop thinking. I said, what do you mean I stop thinking? It's, it's called stay mindful. Stay in the present moment. Pay attention. What's going on here? Stop thinking. And when you fall in love, that is one of the natural things that will stop you from thinking because you want to be with that person after you've been looking for this person your whole life. This is not time to think and not be there. So you stay mindful. I say, then what happens? Just 24 hours of being mindful, meaning staying conscious and not going to the program. Just 24 hours changed your life. You, you came out of that with, wow, life is so beautiful. I go, hey, yesterday you could tell me all the crap that was going on. Today is, you're on a honeymoon? I go, that was not a coincidence. That was a realization. So if you've ever fell in love, now the honeymoon may not last long, okay? And I say, why did the honeymoon begin at all? And I say, because two people didn't play programs. Mm -hmm. Two people became who they wanted to be. I want to be a love. I want to have a love. And all of a sudden I say, oh, that's conscious. My father's dysfunctional relationship thing kept me from getting to there because I would keep playing those negative programs, okay? And the relevance about it is if you've ever experienced love and walked away and had a day, two days, a month, whatever, of honeymoon, recognize you just changed your whole life. And you took whatever was the troubles of life, and they're not there. And you manifested heaven on earth. That is not an accident. That is not a coincidence. That's a manifestation. And I say, how'd you do it? And the answer was simple. I stopped thinking. <laughs> Do you opened your heart up, Bruce? That's what it is. I think so many of us are closed. It's such a beautiful point because it's not just romantic relationships. It's deep, meaningful friendships. I remember I stopped trying to make friends at one point. I was like, God, I got too many friends. And this one person is like trying to introduce somebody to me in Lisbon. I was like, I can't. I'm already at friend capacity. Like I'm trying to tell God no more friends, right? And what's hilarious is that this person and I bump into each other one day at an event. She said, oh, you're Jen, the person I've been wanting to meet. I was like, oh, fine. I'll go see you for brunch. She is now one of my bestest friends in the whole wide world. We knew all the same people. And it's so often that we close ourselves off. Oh, I don't want to have it that good. Oh, I couldn't handle one more friend or one more loving relationship in my life. And you know what? When we allow the floodgates of our hearts to open, it's from that place that just miracles and wonder and a new experience on life, just like you said, it's like that red pill, whether it's a romantic relationship, a dear friend, a dream job. So you know, let, me, let me just add to that, because everything you say is 100% accurate, but I just want to add this. It doesn't have to be in love with another person. You can have a pet. Yes. You can also have a job that keeps your mind present because you love it. A chef. The chef's not thinking. A chef is busy making and paying attention, not thinking, creating. A gardener puts their hands in the dirt and they love it because they're going to create what's happening here. It's not thinking, it's engaging, okay? An artist, whatever, 
when you're doing something you love so much that you're so present in doing it because you want to do it, it's the same as the red pill. And so I want people to know it doesn't have to be with another person. It doesn't even have to be with anything living. It just has to be, what is it in your life that gives you so much joy that you stay in the present moment because you want to enjoy that joy? Mm-hmm. And I say, that's the moment you stop playing the program. And that's love, whether it's gardening or people or pets, whatever. And that's what the whole idea of love was about. Because when you're in love, you want to live in that moment at this time right now. And that is the best thing because you've already done it. I'm sure everyone out here that is listening had some period where it was called the honeymoon, whatever it was, that you were so happy doing what you were doing that there were no troubles in the world for you at that point, okay? So I got to close this part with a very unfortunate conclusion here. How come it didn't last? And the answer is, when you're on a honeymoon, let's say with another person, both of you are operating from the conscious mind. That's the creative mind. That's the wishes and desires. So both of you coming together, wishes and desires, that's what you manifest. If life gets busy, you have to start thinking. I said, what happens if you start thinking? I said, then you start playing the program. I said, where'd the program come from? That wasn't you. In my case, that was my father. Okay? I go, so what? When I was playing the program because I was thinking, I sabotaged the relationship I was in by because my partner, when we joined up, neither of us were playing subconscious programs. Both of us were co-creating what was called a honeymoon. So my partner never saw the negative programs in in me during the relationship until when? Once I started thinking a lot, and all of a sudden wasn't really paying attention. And then she'd ask me something wonderful, and I'd go, blah, blah, blah. i go, and she would, my partner would look and go, who are you? And all of a sudden, I didn't even know I said that. Why? Bill, story of Bill. I just played a program. I didn't see it. She saw it. Folks, that's why the honeymoon ends. And it ends because people get into arguments about behaviors that were never part of the original relationship which was no programming, but conscious wishes and desires. And so what's the point? And the answer is so simple. If you change those negative programs, then guess what? You can have a honeymoon your every day of your life. Every day, all I can say so far is this, 23 plus years is how long I've been on a honeymoon, okay? And I say, why? Because every day I wake up and it's not like a lot of people, oh, no, I got another day. Oh, I got to go to work. Oh, this is I wake up every day going, I'm still here. Another day to have fun. Another day to have life. If you start your day that way, then that's how your day is going to go. But if you start the day with, oh, I got to go to the job. And I go, now, that's not a good way to start the day, folks. (laughs) It's so true, Bruce. And I will leave everybody with this. So it's one of my favorite games I play. It's actually saved as my meme and my screensaver on my phone is how does life get any better than this? It's a game I play every day, all day. I play it with my husband. We've been lucky enough. You got to meet him last year. We've been together about five years and every day is a honeymoon, whether it's with my best friends, with my mom and dad, with everybody in my- gardening, even that. Gardening, with walking down the street, just being awed by the roses or blue sky. That's why we were here. And so many people thought we were not thought, think we're here to do this work. And I say, no, work was to help you to have what? The enjoyment of the freedom that work offers. Like what? My time off? 
I'm going to go to the beach. My time off, I'm going to go out there and smell those flowers right now. My time, oh, wait. So when you have time off, the whole idea is that time off was your freedom to not get involved with anything other than what is it you want in your life and let go of that other stuff. It'll be here tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock when you wake up, so don't worry about it at that point like that. So this is the whole idea is that if you eliminate the programs and you can change your programs, otherwise this is a very bad interview, but you can change the programs. And if you change the programs, what? just think of this logically. What if I rewrote the programs in my subconscious mind using behaviors and wishes as the program? And I say, what does that mean? I say, then when you're thinking and your subconscious takes over, it'll be playing the programs that you want. And all of a sudden, it's like you don't even have to think about it. You can be in a honeymoon without ever thinking about it because the subconscious, 95% of the day, will make sure your behavior, the new program, will manifest that loving experience all day. That is the intention that I am holding for each and every one of us all around the world, whether you're listening, watching, that is our wish and intention out of this, that something awakened in you, a seed, a spark of joy, a spark of knowing that you could live your life with joy-colored glasses. It might take work. For me, it took about two decades of reprogramming, though every day I wake up, it's like a honeymoon. It's like bliss. It's like mana is falling from the heavens. And getting to talk to you, Bruce, of course, is always mana, <laughs> my friend. I love having you here. And I would love to have people know, is it brucelipton.com is the best place for so people? So simple, brucelipton.com. Many videos, articles, interviews, so many of them where you can get all this information from printed articles to visual or to auditory programs or whatever it is. Why? I want you to become empowered. Do you have to buy anything? No, I don't, I don't care if you buy anything. Just read the damn articles. That's really a, or listen to the talk because it doesn't cost any money mm. to change your life. It just takes the intention to change your life and to know how to do it. And I'll offer that information on brucelipton.com as well. And therefore, in this case, I know we're running out of time. So before I go, I just want to say, my dearest, beautiful friend, Jennifer, thank you so very much for letting me be on your program, because I know your audience is here looking for, can they have the life you talk about? And the answer is, I want to say, yes, she will lead you down the path to, can we enjoy this planet? Okay. Oh, I love this story because it's true. But I keep on going on. It's like That's the next okay. You and I can I talk another, for hours, Bruce. Get the story. I have another slide. Get it in I have another slide. Okay. <laughs> it was very interesting because I learned a big lesson, and it was my stepfather. My mother married later in life, and she married this guy, Phil. And I refer to him as a curmudgeon, a guy who has nothing nice to say about anything. Everything is, and I, so it's like staying around him too much. It's like, I can't do that. But my mother was happy. So what the hell? She's with him. I don't live with them. I'm Okay. But the interesting story was he lived to be 97, and in his last months of his life, he was dying of cancer. My mother took care of him at home, so she didn't. he didn't have to go to a hospital. She took care of him. And here's the whole story comes to this conclusion. The last week of his life, he wasn't very conscious alert. He was like gone, essentially, <clears throat> two days before he died. All of a sudden, his eyes opened up. And all of a sudden, he was totally present. And he said to my mother, 
I didn't have any fun. 97 years old, two days before he died, it dawned on him he had a whole life here and didn't have any fun. And I want our listeners, Jennifer, to recognize, I do not want you to go down that trail. I want you to listen to Jennifer. I want you to understand why she smiles so much and why she's happy so much, because that's not an accident. And if you engage in what she's offering, then you can wake up every day like she does and say, hey, still heaven. Today's another day in heaven. You can't beat that. And you get heaven and you get heaven. Look under your chair. You get heaven. <laughs> it's like we all get to live the life of heaven. And that is what is beautiful. That yeah. Is beautiful. I love you so much, Bruce. And I'm so happy that our beautiful paths crossed and that we have an opportunity to be here and share our collective wisdom and the collective consciousness. All of this wisdom Bruce has shared that we share with all of our wonderful guests, it resides in your soul. All it just takes is a moment of a few conscious loving breaths and you too can reprogram your beliefs, live a life you love. So I am Jennifer K. Hill, CEO of om-heals.com and om.app. And it is a privilege and an honor to get to work in this space of consciousness. And we are so thankful that you joined us today, Bruce. Big hugs to you and your beautiful wife, Margaret. And may you have a hundred years more of honeymoon. Thank you so much, dear. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics.com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.